Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Movius Ministries Podcast. This is Season 13, Episode 136. Beloved of God, I am so excited to dive in today's message. We are going to talk about the gospel, the good news that Jesus did on our behalf. I'm so excited to dive into this. Um, if you want to know the song that's playing right now, it's called uh, Nocturne in Paris by Tony Anderson. I'm super excited to dive into this today, guys. The verse of the day is out of John 3, 14 through 15, but I'm going to read it from a different version. So let me look it up real quick. We can read it. We'll, we'll read it out of the NIV. It says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Beautiful verse, beautiful verse. This is the, and then we hear John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. Beautiful, beautiful verse. And uh, obviously, we know John's gospel is a little bit more um, different than the other gospels, which is fine. No, no, no problem with that at all. Um, but anyway, so you guys, uh, I want to open in worship. Um, I, I want to. I want to play a worship song that magnifies what Jesus did on the cross. And then um, I have about 15 pages here, so I'm probably going to have to make this into a two-part series, which is fine. Just letting you guys know this is good. there's probably going to be a two-part series on this message because I have a little bit more notes than usual. Um, and then you guys... I have a special announcement that I'm going to be sharing with you guys tonight. Um, again, I'm Eastern Standard Time. For those of you that are, I mean, I have listeners in Russia. I have listeners in um, Uganda. So for those of you that are there, um, I'm in Eastern Standing Standard Time. So I'll be doing a um, an announcement that may be hard to bear. Um, it's very sudden, but I think there's something the Lord wants me. This, there's a new journey the Lord's taking me on. And it's, I, I just... Anyway, so get prepared for that later tonight. I'm just gonna put a message. I'm gonna I'm gonna come out with a with something I just need to tell you guys. It's nothing bad, nothing sinful. It's just kind of where I'm going in life. So um, we're gonna listen to the song "Forever" by Carrie Job. If you guys know who that is, she is just a great, great gospel singer. Uh, she's got great wisdom, and I just love her music. Um, so let's go to here, and then I'm just gonna. Put the microphone towards my speakers, and I just let let's open in worship and just posture our hearts before the no, before the Lord, and that you would know that if you put your trust in Jesus, you are His beloved.
Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray that as we dive into this, Lord, that you would just touch people's hearts. People would get saved. People would repent. Those that need deliverance, Father, you'd bring deliverance. Father, I pray for those who are having crippling anxiety. Lord, I pray you'd give them strength to trust you. That they would wait on you, Lord. That we would remember to wait on you. That we wouldn't get caught up in paganism or new age stuff father that we would rest on what your word says and that you would touch people's hearts in today's message father in jesus name amen the song playing right now i've played before but it's called enter in by nathaniel co the third and i got some other songs uh, on cue here um, three songs actually but so uh here we go guys the gospel when Jesus started his ministry, he says in Mark, he, he says as Mark records in chapter 1, verse 15 in the NASB version, and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, here is the Greek info 
for the word at hands. Here's the Greek word. Strong's G, 1448, Engizo. Engizo. Engizo is the word, and the definition is to bring near, to join one thing to another, um, or to draw, to draw, to come near to, or to approach. Um, now, the Greek word for the word repent is metanaeo. It's something like that. I might be saying that wrong, but the definition is to change one's mind, to grieve over your sin, to have godly sorrow, and to have a contrite heart. Now, the word gospel, the Greek word, is the word euangelion, and the definition is uh is this the right one? Um, yeah, it is. Um, it, it means the good news um, of what Jesus brought. The proclamation of the grace of God manifested and pledged in Christ. So, what is the good news? I believe part of it, we part of it, that, that's key. We can find it in Matthew 5, 17. This is out of the Amplified Version. This is Jesus speaking. Do not think that I have come to do away or undo the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. The Greek words and definitions for undo and fulfill mean exactly that. Now, Isaiah, 40, uh, Isaiah 64, verse 6 in the Amplified. I have some water here, guys, so just bear with me here. I'll pro- Again, I'll probably have to make this into two parts because I just had so much stuff the Lord gave me. So, um, Isaiah 64, verse 6 in the Amplified. For we have all become like one who is uh, cer- ceremonially unclean like a leper, and all of our deeds of righteousness are like filthy rags. We all wither and decay like a leaf. That verse right there, you can kind of um, uh, kind of connect with how uh, Solomon talks about life in Ecclesiastes. And our wickedness, our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoing, like the wind, takes us away, carrying us far from God's favor toward destruction. Now, for favor, you could probably say the word grace as well, because um, that's what grace means. But in the context of this chapter, God, uh, God's people are pleading for mercy and, and, uh, and, and, and help as they see they are deep in their sin. They're grieving over it. They are repenting of it, changing their minds and, and experiencing where Jesus says repentance is also having a contrite heart over sin. If you look at the Greek, they say, they say their righteousness are like filthy rags, which in the Hebrew means their garments they wore were filthy. Their good works barely did anything beneficial in their relationship with the Lord. They are grieving over their sin. I can see... Oh gosh, my hand's really dry. Um, I, can, I, I can see it this way as God saw them deep in their sin. Uh, grieved by it. God uh, delights in these types of things. Isaiah 57 says that God is close to those who are crushed in spirit. And I think... Psalm, uh, there's a verse that says God is close to the brokenhearted and the crushed in spirit. It's somewhere in Psalm, but 
here we go. Not to put them down or feel proud, talking about God, but it's a place of humility God's people are in. And he knew eventually he would send his son to fulfill the laws and the old covenant and the prophecies from God's prophets about a Messiah coming to save God's people from their sins. We get a glimpse of it recorded in Isaiah 53. This is Isaiah talking about Jesus. This is 700 years before Christ came. So I've heard. In the NASB, um, out of Isaiah 53, um, the title is The Suffering Serving. Which, again, for those of you that don't know what a title is, it's a little heading at the top of each chapter uh, it gives you an overview of what you're about to read. Sometimes you can have several titles in one um, chapter. But, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He has no st uh, stately form or majesty that we that we would look at him, nor an appearance that we would take pleasure in him. So it's talking about his, it seems like verses, uh, verses one, one through two is talking about his appearance. Verse three, he was despised and abandoned by men, a man of great pain and familiar with sickness. And like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. And we had no regard for him. However, it was our sicknesses that he himself bore and our pains. Now, the Hebrew definition uh, for pains is physical and mental pain. Um, it goes on and says that he carried. Despite Jesus' accusers, people that emotionally and physically hurt him, he humbled himself before the Father. Yet we ourselves assumed that he had been afflicted, struck down by God. Now that by God is really key, you guys. Um, I'll kind of come back to that in a little bit. Um, it goes on and says, and humiliated. Verse 5, and he was pierced of our offenses. The Hebrew definition um, for offenses is offenses towards the Lord. It means exactly that. He was crushed for our wrongdoings. The punishment of our well-being was laid upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Now, healed, the Hebrew definition is to heal individual distress or personal distress. Verse 6, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the wrongdoing of us all to fall on him. Now, this connects with how Paul works in how how oh, how Paul it connects with Romans 3 uh, 11 through 12 where Paul says there is no righteous not even one there is no one who understands God there is no one who seeks God all have turned away they have together become worthless there is no one who does good not even one verse 7 to continue uh, in this chapter of Isaiah, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its 
sh uh, sharers. So we did not open his mouth. I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing these words right, guys, but it's talking about the pain that Jesus brought, uh, the, the, the pain that Jesus took upon himself, which was actually the wrath of God. Isaiah might have been prophesying what we read in Isaiah 14, or in Mark 14, 60. Um, let me just, okay, let me actually, let me, let me re read this part so we can kind of tie this in together. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its, I don't know how to pronounce that word. I'm sorry, guys. Shearers. Um, but it goes on and says, so he did not open his mouth. Now, this might be connected with Mark 14, 60. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. To continue in Isaiah, it's verse 8, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And for his generation, who, uh, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living for the wrongdoing of my people, to whom the blow was due. Verse 9, and his grave was assigned with wicked men. Now, when it says with wicked men, I, it may be talking about us. We were with we were with him when he died. When we rise with him, when we trust in Christ, of course, I am talking about when we become when we become born again. Um, then, then we become born again. So, um, where it says, and his grave was assigned with wicked men. So we died with Christ, but then when he raises, we raise with him. I think that's, I think that might mean what it what it means. Yet he was with a rich man in his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Verse 10, But the Lord desired to crush him, causing him grief. Now the grief Hebrew definition is to become weak, sick, diseased, and it connects with Galatians uh, 3, where uh, it talks about becoming a curse, and him taking our diseases and sicknesses as recorded prior. If he renders himself as a guilt as a guilt offering, he will see uh, his offspring. He will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hands. Let's continue to talk about Jesus. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. Now that's talking about God right there. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant will justify the many, for he will bear their wrongdoings. Now, Isaiah is, uh, Isaiah is continuing to talk about God after the death of Jesus. Verse 12, Therefore I will allute him a portion with, with great... With the great, sorry, and he will divide the plunder with a great, with the, let me restart that. Sorry, guys, I can't read today. Therefore, I will not, therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the plunder with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was counted with wrongdoers. Yet he himself, before the sin of many, 
and interceded for the wrongdoers. So it's saying, um, but, uh, the Bible talks about how the sins of Moses, the sins of Abraham, the sins of David were passed on and were paid for when Jesus died. That's what it's talking about. Jesus breaks bread and pours wine with his disciples to demonstrate the new covenant he is bringing with his people. While they were eating, now this is, I'm going to read this verse. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Now, this is really interesting. My dad told me about this a while ago, but theologians have said why Jesus's body is being broken is for our diseases and our sicknesses. Check this out. The law in the old covenant said a prisoner could be beaten and whipped 40 times. If they miscounted, it would be their fault. So they whipped Jesus 39 times to make sure they didn't go over. There are 39 categories of sicknesses and disease. Isaiah says, by his stripes, we are healed. Verse 27, this is Jesus continued to talk about um, having the Passover meal with his disciples. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks... He gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. It's just amazing. My dad told me that. I, I, I see this. The whole whipping of 40 times. The sovereignty of God working through that, you guys. It's, it's, it's almost as if God has understanding through what Jesus is going through. It just blows me away. I don't know. And, I mean, I'm in awe. Now, to continue... Matthew 5, 3 in the NIV. Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We are poor in spirit. We need God's spirit. We are desperately lost without Jesus. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is theirs. How? Because Jesus is going to fulfill what was needed for this to happen. Matthew 5, 4 in the NIV version. Which, again, the never incorrect version. Ha ha ha. <laughs> Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. What did we just read in Isaiah 64? They mourned over their sin. The Israelites, God's people. And uh, if you read it, it's, they're literally like, how can we get saved? We are so desperately trapped. So they were pleading for God to save them. God will comfort them. Why? Because of their humility and see their need for God's forgiveness. Now, it's also, the, the, the biggest part of it is because God is gracious. That's the biggest part of it. Now, Matthew 5, 6 in the NIV. These are the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount um, in Matthew 5, if you want to read those, uh, you know, to yourself on your own personal time with the Lord. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, when we see our sin, when we look at it and we experience it, 
and the heaviness it comes with, we see the contrite heart that comes out of us. We then thirst for something to save us. We hunger and thirst for righteousness. We will be filled because of what Jesus did for us on that cursed tree. Now, Romans 5, 9 in the NASB version, since we have now been justified by his blood, talking about Jesus, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Now, it connects because it was God's wrath that was poured out on Jesus. It, uh, in that same chapter in John 3, the verse of the day that we shared today, Jesus says, those that don't believe in the name of the Son, other versions might say the Son of Man, it says that the wrath of God abides on them. But those that trust in um, Christ, that he says the Son of Man, the wrath of God abides outside of him. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 in the NASB, and to wait for the Son f- from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Now, it's talking about what we read in Revelation, the wrath that's, that God's going to bring when he comes back. Jesus states these Beatitudes for one reason. I think, I don't want to be arrogant here, he saw our condition. He saw that we needed saving. God saw that. He saw we needed righteousness in our hearts. He saw our contrite heart through our iniquities, our sin. God had a plan. How do we know he had a plan? Now, here's, okay. Okay. Here's, I'm going to highlight this so I know where I'm at, so I don't get lost. Earlier, I talked about, oh gosh darn it. I had a thought and I lost it. Anyway, okay. How do we know that God had a plan? In Acts 2.23, this is Peter uh, preaching. In the NIV, it says, This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on a cross. It's so interesting because I think to myself, like, it's Genesis 50, 20. What, what you meant for bad, I'm going to use for good. God goes, you, you meant for bad to kill him, but I'm going to use it for good. I'm going to save you from your sins. My justice is going to come into play. My righteousness is going to come into play. Now, some of you guys know, this is, this is like uh, my first message that I did on my podcast is about was about understanding why God looks so different from the old of the new covenant. And I quoted a few verses that talk about why it's so different well the old covenant was god said here's the law and do it and if you don't if you don't repent then my wrath is going to come out but we read about verses in ezekiel and jeremiah and isaiah uh, maybe in a few other books that talk about the new covenant and jesus coming but god says i'm going to do it i will i'm going to do this i'm going to do that i'm going to do it. it's about me i will do it but the old covenant was you do the new covenant is i will which I mean in God. So the old covenant was God saying, do this or else. We can read in Jeremiah 31, 33 through 34, Ezekiel 36, 24 through 32, what God is saying he will bring into the new covenant with Jesus. 
Jesus came and fulfilled what needed to be done. Jesus drank, Jesus willingly drank the cup of God's wrath. Now, um, some... I, I, I've watched... My chest is hurting like really bad. Oh my gosh. Okay. Some people have talked about this penal substitution and and that being the only reason why Jesus died. I look at I, I look at John's epistle, his first letter, I look at John 3:16, I go that can't be the only reason. Jesus said that God so loved the world that he sent his son. It was Jesus took the penalty of our sins, but it also happened because God loved us. That's scripture as well. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4 that we don't uh, twist the word of God to suit ourselves. Jesus willingly laid his life down and was willing to drink the cup of God's wrath. He knew it was God's wrath. In the garden, he goes, is there any way this cup can pass from me? When he was in the garden, he knew what was in that cup. Now he took what we deserve. This is the good news. We do not have to strive to earn God's favor anymore, you guys. It is received by faith, which is having confidence in Christ. His death, burial, and resurrection. The the law came through many kings in the Old Testament. God's people couldn't keep that law. They couldn't do it. They were trapped. They were hopelessly stuck. They didn't know what to do. And we read in Isaiah 64, they go, wait, wait, we're trapped. What are we going to do? Our righteousness are nothing but filthy rags. Now, God, God kept sending one prophet after another to lead his people in the right direction, to repent. When they didn't listen, God would sometimes send another prophet or his wrath was poured out. It was all about the law, striving for the Lord. God's people kept hearing about a Messiah coming to save them to fulfill everything God needed to be fulfilled. Now, where I said God needed to be fulfilled, again, guys, not everything I say on here is going to be perfect. If you come on here having an expectation, then, I mean, that's just, no, that, come on. We're all human. No one has perfect theology, but we're always learning to grow and be corrected on certain things. Okay, anyway, that, that's a different subject. Let's move on. There was a price to be paid. We couldn't do it. We couldn't add up to the law. Our righteousness was as filthy rags. Jesus did it all. He poured himself out completely in humility before the Father. Here are some scriptures that back up that we don't have to work for God's favor or forgiveness anymore. It's simply faith in Christ. Now, I mean... A lot of legalistic Christians are going to disagree. People who twist scripture. Um, there's a lot of verses early, uh, later on in Acts where Paul talks about uh, knowing a little bit more about what a false teacher looks like. Um, you can read in Colossians 3 about Paul. Looked, I mean, Paul talks a little bit about false teachers, about what they look like. Now, Galatians 3 is pretty much, the, I mean, the whole thing. So I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to tell you, go read Galatians 3. It pretty much talks about it's, let me just, okay, I guess I'll read it. Okay, let me look it up. Not Blue Letter Bible, I want this. Okay, I'm going to read it out of the NASB version. Uh, let me find it right here. So, it's a long, it's, it's 
29 verses. Let's just bust this out. Uh, yeah, this, I'm going here on 36 minutes. This is going to be a two-part series, you guys. This is Paul writing. He goes, now, now, now let, me, let me make this clear about understanding the background of this letter Paul writes. Paul writes this letter because there were false teachers coming to the church in Galatia and saying wrong things. And Paul was absolutely furious and he writes this letter to them. Galatians 3, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed and crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Paul said that hearing comes from the Word of God and somewhere in Romans it talks about how you receive the gospel. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, you are now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain if if indeed it was vain? So then, does he, meaning God or Jesus, whatever, um, who provides, provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you, do it by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Verse 6, just as Abraham believed God, it was credited to him as righteousness. Therefore, recognize that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. That's that's why God says you will be a father of many nations. Verse 8, the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Now, I think that Greek word, uh, the Greek definition translates uh, into confidence. Not that faith is wrong, it's just another word you can use for it in the Greek definition. Preached, uh, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. Now, I'm going to read, I'm not going to, I'm just going to, um, I'm actually just going to read a verse 14, so we can, because this, this gives us a good grip. So, Here's verses 10 through 14. For all who are of works of the law are under a curse. Let me read that again. For all who are of works of the law, which means like you're bound, you feel like you're bound by it, you're under a curse. For it is written, cursed is, and now he's quoting from Deuteronomy, I think. Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of law to do them. Now that is now that is no one is justified by the law before God is evident. For the righteous one will live by faith. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, the person who performs them will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Now again, I think he's quoting Deuteronomy there again. In order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. You are saved by grace through faith. You're saved by God's grace through your faith in Christ. And you might kind of... Now, now I'm not sure if I am going to be going over James 2 where James says faith without works is dead. That's not a contradiction. I think a lot of us assume and we either rest in that and say it's true because we're insecure 
or some other thing that's just not wise. But it's not a contradiction, there's just something we don't know. Now, my wonderful friend named Ryan said this the other day on Facebook. And of his fullness, we have all received God's grace. John 1.16 If you're trying to earn God's favor, hmm, you're too late. If you're trying to earn it by your works, you can't do it. He's already given it to you through the finished work at the cross. You and I can look at others and say, oh yeah, well, I'm not as bad as them. They've done worse, so I'm not that bad. Well, that's a lie. And I, you and I, are bad compared to Christ, who is holy, who is just, whose love is pure and set apart. Now, I'm not condemning you, you guys, because I'm no different. I've struggled with pornography and lots of sexual integrity issues and sleeping around and going to frat parties and uh, I, I used to smoke cigarettes. I used to smoke a pack a day. I, um... I, I would I would I would judge people left and right without looking the log in my own eye. I would um, Jesus said if you hate someone a brother you've already committed murder in your heart. Have I hated someone before? Yeah. This is one thing I kind of got earlier, a while ago. Stop condemning people in their sin and start dealing with your own. Now, what do I mean by start dealing with? Trust in Christ that he died for that. He did that for you. You will only see the love of God. You will only see the love God pours out on the cross. The good news he has brought to his people once you see the sorrow of your sin. Now, I, again, please don't be offended. I, I mean this in the greatest... Oh, I, I, I mean this in all of you guys. Paul said preach the truth with love. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do right now. You'll see that we couldn't do anything. We were utterly trapped. We were stuck. We were so lost. But God, being rich in mercy, saw us in need... And he sent his son to set us free from the curse of the law, having him be made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Now Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says in John 3.18 in the Amplified Version, Whoever believes and has decided to trust in him as personal Lord and Savior is not judged. For this one there is no judgment, no rejection, no condemnation. But the one who does not believe and has decided to reject him as personal, personal Savior and Lord is judged already. That one has been convicted and sentenced because... He has not believed and trusted in the name of the one and only Son of God, the one who is truly unique, the only one of a kind, the one who alone can save him or her. Now, we're almost done here, but you know what? Okay. Yeah, um, let's just stop the first part here. But I'm going to stop the first part here, guys. I'm going to resume a second part right now. Um, so, 
yeah, uh, I'm going to end this episode and go ahead and hop into episode two to finish the rest of uh, the, the beautiful message of the gospel. I'll see you guys in the next episode.